Hello, everybody. My name is not Markiplier, and welcome to Rory's podcast. <laughs> oh God. Well, with that introduction, welcome to a, a, my new series, A Talk With, which is basically me talking to other people within the fandom, mainly creatives, to kind of get their creative process and just an informal kind of discussion with other people. And I'm here with the wonderful, the amazing Jetty Rhodes. Hi. Now, he, how are you all doing? <laughs> In fact, how are you doing? Um... <laughs> My stock response to that question over the last few months has basically been, I am alive, mm. which, you know, we, we, you know, realistically, you know, I mean, we live in an age, we live in an age, you know. I mean, it's better so. than talking to the alternative. I don't want to be talking to no ghost here. <laughs> hey, hey, do mm. not be, do not be, what would, be, what would the word be? Do not be bigoted against, you know, ghosts and stuff. They may, they may entirely want to come on your podcast and talk to you about how making Doctor Who fan films beyond the grave. From beyond the grave works. <laughs> so, you know, they may want to do that. You know, you never know. You I never mean, know. Really, it's not the first time I would have gotten a call from a ghost this year, because I think I told you about what happened the other, like, the other oh, time it God. happened. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that that does happen. To be fair, you you do hear stories about that stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, my wife and I are big into like like ghosts and and like uh, the beyond and stuff. So you know, you mm. ever you ever turn you ever turn around and tell me you know that you've had an encounter with a ghost? I'm like, okay, cool. Who you gonna call this shit? shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't rock the spectacles quite as well as Egon Spengler. Mm. But to be fair, actually, no. Oh my god. Oh my god. I could put on. My brainy specs. <laughs> oh, the brainy if I could specs. actually fit them through my headphones. Yeah. Now, I, believe it or not, I actually nobody ever sees me in these, but I do actually need glasses. I'm I'm short sighted oh. as all hell. Oh yeah. So like um, like without them, writing on posters and stuff is really um, is really blurry. Uh, but I just can't be asked wearing them because I'm incredibly lazy. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's all good. It's all good. Also, uh, this is the first time I've actually tested using this mic with this laptop so my sound is great my video quality perhaps less yeah. so because you know <laughs> crappy laptop webcam but mm. it's okay we're going to keep trying <laughs> yeah well i've borrowed my uh, sister's webcam because my other webcam keeps going in black and white for some reason and i'm not sure why it really really wants you to do a noir story as the <laughs> techno doctor it wants to push you into that it, no, no, it wants to push you into that Vangelis-style synth noir. So, you know, <laughs> you're going to film in black and white, and then I'm going to come in, layer some sick synth beats over it, you know, turn you know, it into a gunship music video. I've always wanted to do something in black and white. I, I don't know why. I think it's because, like, I just love that style. It's like, um, Zack Snyder. It's, mo it's, mo it's moody as fuck. That's the oh, thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is, you know, you're not wrong. There is something vaguely... You know, justice is great. There's something vaguely Zack Snyder about it, but I think just in general, like on a really superficial level, it just looks artsy as fuck to have you yeah. know black <laughs> and white going off. And but, I think uh, it just adds a different level of atmosphere compared to color. You know, like you watch the classic Doctor Who, you know, Troughton and Hartnell, and it just works. And I mean, I think it's, there's something more horrifying about it as well. There's something just more horrifying about it as well. Like, you know, you can make shadows look deeper and brights look brighter. You can mm. create, you can create scary. Yeah. If I were to make do like scary. a horror film, I'd use black and white over color any day of the week. I think it just works. You know, it just works better, especially like with, um, you, you see it in a lot of like 
college and university short films when they're trying to like do a deep subject or anything. And there are a lot of, uh, I, I, I said that because like I was, um, I, I recently ended college um, recently and uh, they did this kind of award show last night, which was, you know, pretty, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Like my teacher came out dressed as Elvis. It was pretty cringe, but you know, in a good way. <laughs> the good, the good kind of cringe. As long as your teacher didn't and, then decide uh, to sing like Elvis, they they mouthed to the music, but they didn't they didn't sing. Thankfully, but well, um, thank you very much. <laughs> but they showed a lot of the short films, and a lot of them were in black and white. I didn't get an award, but I did steal one. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> and is that not truly what man has dreamt of since he first <laughs> crawled from the trees? Stealing random stars at college awards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, um, it oh beats God. my actual last day because that was just them bringing in microwave pizza. And uh, we used it as a Frisbee because it, we, we flipped it. It was on the plate and it was stuck to the plate. It was that bad. And we, we would flip it and it would stay on the plate. So we just threw it across the class. Happy last day at college. Oh, yeah. Happy pizza Frisbee. I mean, it kind of sums it up really well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, years. I mean, oh, God. You know, I, I feel like before we continue, I should probably tell people who the fuck I am. Because, like, in the nicest... Okay, so in the nicest possible way, like, you know, I'm presuming if you're watching this, you viewers of the future, hello in the magical space year 2022, but tomorrow. <laughs> you know, hello in that magical space year. Um, so unless I've magically, you know, upped in subscriber count and stuff, I don't think many people know who the hell I am. So yeah, I'm Jed. I do things and stuff. To be more like specific, it. yeah. Uh, to be to be more specific, I have been a fan doctor for eleven years. I have, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even. No, the thing is, I've not even been doing it the longest. So technically, I think uh, Nathan Carter from NTC, mm. amongst amongst, okay. We'll get into the generations thing, but suffice yeah. it to say, there's a few guys who've been doing it longer than I have, but I've been doing it a while. Uh, <laughs> and I will probably continue to be doing it for a while. Uh, so I started out on the channel Lung Barrow Brothers uh, with me and my mate Anthony making short fan films back in, back in the you know distant, distant, archaic past of 2011, 2012. Uh, then I sort of continued making stuff uh, on... Man at Desk Productions, brilliant name. I was so inspired when I was in my early twenties. Um, and uh, yeah, so Man at Desk Productions is where I sort of continued making fan films and stuff, and uh, also fan audios and stuff. And those of you who know Rory's channel, Rassilon Productions, will probably know me from yeah, the time me. that I wrote a. Yeah, funny that you know Rory being on his own channel. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Could so, guess that. Uh, yeah, but uh, you, you'll probably know my work from the fact that I was about half of End Endgame of the Doctor episode two. I was about half of that, mm. purely because I talk a lot and Rory took advantage of the fact that I talk a lot, uh, which, you know. <laughs> when you say it like that. Fair play. And then um, and then I, I decided, you know what this channel needs? George. And, George. Hey, 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 hey. I heard you like George. So I put George with George and George fighting against George. So you can have George whilst he's fighting against George alongside George and George. So, you know, because what else are you going to do except have, have, have a maximal number of Georges? And I think, hilariously, hilariously, um, 
for those of you who are vaguely interested in George Guider's blonde doctor from uh, DW2012, or should I say formerly from DW2012, since he technically, ooh, <laughs> you know, since those those shorts are currently um, absent you, without you. leave. Yeah, they're absent mm, without leave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so George Guider's blonde doctor, technically, even even like not taking that into account, I think technically I have written uh, more blonde doctor content than anyone else. Yeah, you have actually. I think even taking that into account, I think no, have I? I, I wrote the um the one. So you with, wrote uh, you wrote the one with uh, you wrote the one with Swarm, Swarm from yeah. um. So that's about twenty minutes twenty minutes in that standalone, and then and he then, was and then he was game. in episode one, which is another what fifteen twenty minutes. So that's forty minutes there. Yeah. So obviously, I've written the. I think we surpasses about thirty minutes. So mm. there's that, but then I've written at least two more i've written one other complete script which has him in it and yeah. there's also and there's also like one other script that i'm writing which has him in it and there's obviously more stuff because, of course there's... you know yeah you so. know <laughs> yeah you know. so uh but yeah so basically um yeah technically speaking i have written more blonde doctor content than anyone else than anyone think, else yeah well no because i think i think you know uh if one takes you know his one live action appearance as the blonde doctor into consideration there's about i'd say about an hour of him in that yeah so yeah so i think i think i've i've just about squeaked that out obviously george wrote his two shorts which were about 30 minutes 30 minutes between them give or take haircuts Um, in the garden which were very good extremely incredibly good uh Mm. you know and and uh one day i hope will again be very good but uh yeah (laughs) so yeah um so yeah, I I technically have written more blonde doctor content than anyone else, which is kind of hilarious. But I kind of owed George that because George was the only person who ever actually watched my shit for the longest time. So you know, oh, I just see myself because comfortable chair. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, you will hear me. By the way, people of the magical space year of tomorrow, AAAD, you will hear me <laughs> complain a lot about the fact that nobody watches my shit. Please understand that this is in jest and. Uh, I don't actually mind too much being a small creator in some respects. In in other respects, it would be really great to get noticed. (laughs) Sorry, it would have been a couple of years ago really great. I think it's safe to say I've sort of been noticed now. Yeah, I I think... Sort of. You mentioned it. I I think there is, especially with the lockdowns recently, I think there's a lot more smaller channels, you know, great gaining traction. I mean, I I only started, what, 2019, 2020, something like that a few years ago right like at the height of the pandemic i i don't think if i started before then that i'd have many subscribers at all or any notice i think well you hit you hit like the the sort of double zeitgeist of people wanted content to consume mm. uh because they were inside a lot more and also because you were doing audio yeah, people who people... do audios wanted content to be part of Mm. So it's a it's a sort of double zeitgeist, My double fault. kill. <laughs> uh, so you know you were you were, you know the thing is though it's it's it is always this combination of luck and you know hitting upon the right mm. people. Um, so yeah, the first right person for me was Davis. Davis, obviously, you know he was very big. You know he was probably my um you know the first like YouTuber I'd really talked to on this yeah. platform. Uh, I think I messaged him around um, sometime around Christmas time, um, 2019, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember like jumping across the house because this was like a big deal for me because like I didn't, 
I didn't know how to react because like I'd been watching his content for quite a while and I remember like just running around the house and like with a smile on my face. Well, you know, the thing is though, like like for real, that's good. Because what I think is interesting about the stuff that you've done is it's got a massive scope. It's really good. You know, it's it's got a lot of meaty material. It's inclusive, which is, you know, important. Like you you've mm. you've been ridiculously accommodating of some of the crazy stuff that I've wanted to do. Um, which is good. And I think What's interesting is I have a sneaking suspicion if one were to sort of sit down and really think about it, you're probably quite literally the next generation of fan content creator. So, no, so I've had a theory about this for a fairly long while, Mm. which basically goes that there were three generations. I think you probably count as the fourth, which is wilderness era fan creators love a lot of those guys work but that was quite an insular crowd yeah um uh, because obviously they had a different experience of making fan content than people different environments yeah yeah um then there was god forbid me having to mention this person the brett underwood era which Mm. is you know people like brett underwood uh when he was making content as tony coburn but you know alongside him were people like chris walker thompson and to a certain extent i'd say people like ntc pictures probably probably counted as well probably so, around that time yeah so yeah. you know uh the the sort of reductive way of describing them would be young fans in their back gardens with green screens which is you know that, that's a reductive way of describing it. it it doesn't nearly cover enough but that was the first upsurge in new technology making fan content more of an accessible thing to create mm. and then there were sort of the people who built up from that so that was your DW 2012s, your MB and Homelands, uh, people like that, who sort of built upon the foundation that was, you know, unfortunately, your Tony Coburns and, and yeah, such. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, well, Longbarrow Brothers sort of occurred in between generations. So we were right, we started in 2011. We were right before 2012 started, like properly mm. started, give or take. We were after Coburn and Co had sort of had the majority of their content out, yeah. and and we never we never really hit a zeitgeist purely because we were making like if you ever go back and watch the Longbarrow Brothers fan films, they're old school, and I mean like proper old school, like model effects, uh, a very old fashioned TARDIS set, but a very small cramped little TARDIS set, um, you know, uh, minimal minimal like monsters and stuff a lot of it was pov shots a lot of it was model shots a lot of it was you know creepy stuff for the sake of having something that was cheap to film yeah and anthony anthony as a director has a very horror movie horror movie um he has a lot of that sort of cheap low budget filmmaker uh sense about him basically um and what i did when i went over to man at desk was First, I sort of superficially aped that style. So I had a lot of the same superficial mm. stuff, um, which is not to deride the stuff that I did, because I'm, I'm still quite proud of some of the stuff that I... Well, no, all of the stuff that I put oh. out, because I had some really great yeah, performances you, you, from the cast and stuff. You definitely should be proud of it. And I, I think yeah. no matter I think, what I think... <laughs> people produce, I think they should be proud of it, unless, you know... Oh, producing content... It's... Like, producing content is fucking hard oh yeah. and, and, this is, and this is the thing that i think everybody has to sort of accept about fan content is it's really hard uh the one that i'm most proud of though like of all the fan films that i've made 
the two big ones that I'm most proud of probably are The Thousand Deaths of the Doctor, which was mm-hmm. one starring my friend Matthew Mills. Um, and that was, we did a time loop episode basically before. He keeps joking that Heaven sent Nick Tarshtick, but to be fair, Heaven sent isn't about the loop. Heaven sent is about the Doctor and grief and stuff, whereas very we much were just character, character, yeah. you know, insight. Yeah, whereas we were just doing the time loop because I thought, what do I want to do? I want to do a time loop episode. I like a time loop episode. Time Everyone loop loves a time loop fun. episode. And you know what? It was fucking amazing. I loved doing it. It was fun. So, you know. And then the other one that I'm really proud of is one from the um, recent run of fan films that I released, which was uh, The Base That Came Back, because I just, mm. I just thought to myself, fuck it, I'm leaning full into handheld camera work. And I'm leaning full into like horror movie, you know, stuff. And I d- it might not have been very good, but I enjoyed it. So, well, I think a lot of that sort of style has its place in Doctor. I think I think it's it really worked with the show, uh, especially you know with fan content, and even in the show itself. Um, I, I think it it just really works, especially with the early days of fan content. It all it all has its charm, and it works nowadays as well. I think just as much as it did then. And I think the thing is, like the thing that I think is. Uh, I'm going to shill you for a minute here. I think the thing that's good about what you're doing, but I think in all fan content, the best fan content is when it's not just trying to be an era of the show. It's trying to make its own tone. So the best thing about Long Barrow Brothers, the best thing about Man at Desk is it's never been trying to ape the tone of existing TV Doctor Who, what's on currently. Um, You know, so you know, what you're doing doesn't ape the tone of existing Doctor Who currently. (laughs) What, you know, MB and Homeland, for example, as one of the big creators, they their best work was when they stopped aping the tone of the TV show so much and decided, you know what, fuck it, let's just have epic stuff and fistfights and, and, and battles in woods and a bunch of depressed, moody-looking people. You know, yeah. that's, you know, suddenly that's when it went from very technically competent, but, you know, in a I way predictable Doctor Who to really good. That's one of the best things about producing fan content is you can, you know, you're outside of the show, you're not you're not, you're not following the same rules, the same, you know, because one, one thing I want to do is I want to step out the genres that Doctor Who is mm. locked into. That's one thing I've discussed with you quite a lot and quite a few other well, yeah, this is it. You know, this is it. Like, like, you know, all the best, you know, MB and Homeland did it, DDK did it. You know, they've all, they've all, when they were at their best, they stopped being the TV show's Doctor Who and they mm. started being the creator's Doctor Who. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, which is not to say, which is not to say that there aren't Doctor Who fan film creators who, what's the word I'm looking for, who do ape the tone of the show and do that with a modicum of success. Okay, so of course, of course. From a, from a purely technical perspective, we have to give props where it's due to say DW twenty twelve for example. Mm. Props props where it's due that has done a fairly good job of aping the tone of existing TV Doctor Who. And yeah. saying, you know, here is here is TV's Doctor Who, forty-five you know, minute episodes, I, you know, orchestral music and stuff. Of course, I do really enjoy the W twenty twelve. You know, like uh, Dom's era in particular is one of my favourites. As lining up Dom's era currently, because of course, at the moment, well, yeah, well Dom, Dom's and... era, you know, version one and version two, mm. basically. Yeah, um, I mean, um, what one thing with with uh, fan films as well and fan is of course, you're not limited in how you run it and how everything, but I think um. One thing, I don't know what it is, but uh, if if you're going to, you know, reflect upon the show's formula or do your own, 
I, I, you know, I, I think it's my only criticism of how time flies. But when um, music from um, DC showed up, that was the only thing that took me out of that episode because it was really, really good of an episode. I know you've got some strong thoughts on this, which oh, is why I brought yeah. it up. Oh yeah, okay. Um, but it was, you know, that that because of course you you make music. No, it's just, I know music. Fan music. And of course, I yeah. I do like DW myself. I really, really enjoy Dom stuff. I have that I have incredible. a lot of respect. I have a lot of respect. Okay, and and let me be clear here. Let me be clear here. So there are th- there there are a couple of things I need to say before I start getting onto this. Whoa, hmm? you're right. sorry. I think I had something open and it played through my computer sound. But no, uh, what was I saying? Uh, no, shut up, shut up. I don't want you to play music at me. I just wanted to look myself up because I'm an egotist like that. Um, but yeah, so the first thing I'm going to say, and this is important, is fan films, even ones that have flaws, even ones that mm. as products are not perfect, Fan films are incredibly difficult to make. Fan oh, audios yeah, yeah. are incredibly difficult to make. And it should never it should never be taken as a reflection on the people making them oh, when cool. critiques when critiques are made of fan films and fan audio. And and the thing is there's no such thing as, as perfect fan material anyway. I, I don't um, think there's anything like perfect in anything really. Even the official show has its flaws. I mean oh, and, absolutely. And of course, absolutely. And of course, us as fan creators, we have a lot, we're limited in a hmm. way with, with a lot of our resources we don't have <laughs> yeah. a budget or money or anything and the thing but- is like on, on the flip side on the flip side i feel like the nicest way of putting it is a lot of people are relentlessly over positive about fan material to the point of you know a you'll get comments a lot to the effect of you should be the real show this is like the real show no it's not and those it shouldn't comments be are ridiculous no, those comments annoy me because it's, you know it's nice, but it's like it's 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 they're trying to be nice. They are trying it, to be nice. It's, but it, it kind of in a way I, I kind of find it inadvertently patronizing, I guess. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, and, and the, but the thing I is as, the thing is that. as well, it feels so superficial because it's like it, it feels like it lacks an understanding of why something is only fan material as opposed to original material. No, but the mm. thing is as well, um, on the flip side is there are some fan creators who obviously will react very defensively if you criticize them. And, you know, yeah. I understand. I understand. I've had arsehole comments. But, like, you know, when I when I had arsehole comments, I just didn't respond to the arsehole comments because... I, I will say this. When when I started fan content, I was uh, early, early 18. I'm 19 now, but I got really defensive when anyone would do a negative review of my work or say something negative about my work. Obviously, I've as learned... As you do, as you do. But the thing is, like... You, I've learned a you've... lot since then because that was... I got, like, I was very angry back then and, you know, proper, you know, didn't know how to react to something like that. I, I think, um, obviously, I wasn't accustomed to people actually, you know, viewing... Seeing stuff your stuff. And not learning from it. I kept on, you know... I think that's a great thing about negative reactions just as much as positive reactions is obviously there are people that were overly negative. I think mm. I was watching Torch with 2000 the other day and someone in the comments was just pointing out every flaw in like... Oh, yeah. And, and the thing is, but... okay. And the thing is, that's not helpful because when you're giving criticism, you have to acknowledge the things that something does well. Mm. Uh, at least when you're giving proper criticism and you're not just riffing on something. Um, but, you know... I feel like 
it, it's important to be able to give critique where things can be improved. So the two big things for me is I am, as you say, a music composer. So yeah. I've composed as of right now. Oh, and that's my mother-in-law. Sorry, I'm, my mother-in-law is staying over. So her camp bed is down here in the in the dining room. So sorry, I'm just recording at the moment. Just so you're aware. Um, okay. Uh, my, my friend says hello. Hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's not editing this, folks. You've got to see that or hear that. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Don't worry. My mother-in-law is nice and she says hello to all of you too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there are 688 videos on my YouTube channel. With... Uh, taking into account that a lot of those are covers, taking into account that there's about 50 videos which are just Doctor Who themes, including some for you, uh, and taking into account um, taking into account that there are things like vlogs and gaming videos and stuff, I'd say there's about 550 pieces of music on there, and the vast majority of them are original. Mm. That's that's how much I've done, and that's how seriously I take the craft of music. Uh, so there's that. And I have a master's degree in writing. So, or specifically, I have a master's degree in drama, which had a focus in script writing. So for my master's degree, I wrote scripts. So for me, the two big things that almost every fan content, every piece of fan content does without fail that I will always pick up on and I will always go writing. There's some real clunky ass dialogue out there. And music where you know it used to be murray gold you know there's a bit of sagan in there now but always always just ripping content ripping music from existing stuff instead of you know really giving yeah. music the I mean, attention um, that it's due one thing with my content is that i i use murray gold as well you know mm -hmm. i do and i you know i do prefer using original music of course i do of course everyone does but of course especially with like i mean yesterday with, with um my recent torch with darker days mm -hmm. stuff uh at episode two it was kind of you know it was kind of a comedy and i kind of used music from the eras prior to the 80s because of course it was a delta in the bannerman sequel but i also used uh another i can't remember great show but um you know of course it, with original music it, of course depends on the output i guess how much people are outputting uh well this, course, well, this is it it's, it's... Well, this is it. It's, it's a difficult thing to, it's a difficult thing to really, what's the word I'm looking for? When you're getting original music done, it depends on the composer. It depends on what you want. It depends on a whole host of factors. And, and I, I guess kind of with like, with Dark Days in particular, it's kind of, you know, I, I, I do use original music here and there, but I feel like it, it depends on what you're, trying to produce what you're trying to do with it so like with dark days a lot of it is about past doctor who stuff so using so using past doctor who music etc is can be oh, this, a good this, thing this is it though is okay i think the way you use existing music is probably the best way that one can use existing music because a lot of the time existing music is used instead of thinking about music so it's instead of thinking, okay, this is the story I want to tell. This is how I want the music to serve the story I want to tell. A lot of people are just like, oh, it's Doctor Who. So 
I'm going to put Murray Gold in it. It's Doctor Who and it's an epic moment, so I'm going to put this thing in it. It's Doctor Who and it's this, so I'm going to put this thing in it. And it's like, okay, that sounds bad and it doesn't fit and it doesn't work and you've literally just put it in because you've not thought properly about it. And, um, Whereas, you know, what you've done is obviously thought about it. You've thought, okay, I'm making something. It actually connects to these eras. I'm going to use it because it connects to these eras because I'm telling a story yeah. that's about all these eras. I mean, in you terms know. of dialogue as well, uh, I can, you know, as a fan creator, I can obviously point out my flaws as well, my negatives. And in the past, I'd say, especially when I was starting to write, I'd say I was really shit at writing exposition, like terrible. I remember in Sacrifice of Akerton, which was my first fully cast one, I just include a few references here and there that just did not fit. And like it would go on and on, the dialogue especially my fully cast stuff back in. And of course, quite a lot of the time now I write kind of some monologue stuff, quite especially, you know, with like Jack Reeves as 10. I am straying further away from that because of course it, it is, it, I'd say uh, good, I hope. Is, uh, but um, it, with, with like, in the past, especially with uh, Tag Fest Vaxxon, which the original was down now because of course I want to improve them because the stories are of there. I, I think with, with fan cakes, I think, one thing that we can do is we have unlimited time. We we have all the time we need to like put a lot a lot into what we do. Mm. Of course, of course, the real life factors into it as well. So if you don't, you know. Yeah. But mo- most fan creators, I'd say, have. Unlimited. Well, this is it. Is that is that you know? It's not a case of necessarily having unlimited time in the sense of having all the time in the world mm. with which to spend making stuff. But mm. we work to our own schedules as opposed yeah. to it being our jobs, for example. I but I think no. The thing is, like, in your case, you're 19. You know, you'll you'll learn. This is the thing. Mm. I was I was kind of crap when I was 19. I was kind of crap when I was 18. But, you know, I got better. Everyone gets better. That's how, that's how, you know, that is the craft of writing. And you can tell that you are improving, which is, you know, I'm, I'm not. The worst thing for me is when I see that people haven't improved. When I see that people, you know, who have been doing it for years have stagnated in something where I feel like they should grow. And yeah. I, I, I could make comments, you know, frankly, I could make comments. But, you know, people, there are people out there who are successful who aren't good writers and and haven't grown particularly as writers that their dialogue is you know shoddy or their storytelling is shoddy and you know you can excuse a shitty costume in fan films you can excuse mm. a lot in fan films oh yeah, yeah but you know the craft of writing is free like mm. like if you have a phone and a google box app you can write and you can craft and you can you can hone that craft it's it's you know so that's the one thing where i'm gonna sort of be like you know if you haven't improved in six years do better Mm. and that's 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 not me trying to gatekeep fan content by any stretch of the imagination that's me saying that's me saying if you're not improving in a very integral part of the craft of creating fan content something's clearly wrong there and and some of it comes back to that positivity bubble like like and some of it comes down to the fact that I have a master's degree in writing and most people watching fan films probably don't. So, you know, they're not going to be able to point at that and go, yeah, that's kind of shit dialogue. But yeah, it, some as of you it's... said, it's not about gatekeeping writing, uh, fan film making. So I feel, I think if anything is inclusive, it's making fan films and fan audios. I think it's one of the most inclusive things you could do within this fandom. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I 
but then again, everyone has room to improve. I feel like if you, if you, yeah, everyone over time should improve. I know I yeah. have. I know and and, and stag- I know stagnation is death. Stagnation is death. You know, and and mm. if if you're stagnant in your art, you know, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna reflect well in the stuff that you're creating fundamentally because it's I, gonna, you know. I think um, yeah, making fan films and fan audios, fan audios more than films but it can be limitless like there's no limits to what stories you can tell mainly in fan audios of course there are limits to fan films depending on budget money 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 yeah but even even with like budget even like there's a limit there because like even if you have all the money in the world there's gonna be a budget to what you're able to do and what you're able to commission others to do i mean this this is it though is you know (sighs) We'll get more onto the topic of like money and stuff in a, in a little bit because I have uh, I have thoughts, but you know, to a certain degree, it it, it should sort of be said that um, you even the except for like the highest budget fan films out there, there's no such thing as a fan film with a high budget. There's no such thing as a fan film with a passable budget. There's yeah. no such like there's there's fan films which just about have the budget to make a shitty student short horror film, and they're trying to make like like uh you know and and again i'm not criticizing anyone when i say some fan films really don't know how to use that budget but like some fan films have clearly had people spending money for like traveling to places and Mm. and you know going places and they've tried to tell stories that are way beyond their reach when actually it would have been more interesting to stay within your reach somewhat yeah and like here's an example uh and again this is not me criticizing but i'm gonna actually name name fan films now so if you if you okay. watching this if you watching this from those specific fan films see this and, and you think i'm being shitty i'm not being shitty i'm just saying so i would envision that roughly speaking ddk's last story which i think was what was it called the last doctor i think I'm that was it wasn't sure. it yeah i think so yeah yeah, so The Last Doctor and Fall of the Doctor, which was the DW2012 Regeneration story, I would envision that they had similar amounts of money spent on them. You know, in terms of, like, mm. camera equipment, in terms of, like, people travelling to places, etc. Um, I would probably say DDK spent that money better because, and I have all the respect in the world for the epic scale stuff, and I think Fall of the Doctor oh, yeah, does yeah. well in terms of trying to do epic scale stuff, but... The Last Doctor has a bunch of guys running around a wood, but the costumes are, they're not necessarily like high budget costumes, but they're uniform. You know, you got, you got five guys all in these Gallifreyan uniforms. You know, you've got the really cool costume for the Valiard that's, you know, mm. this rugged pseudo doctorish thing. You know, you've got fucking slick as hell camera work, you know, like, like proper slick as hell camera work. That is somebody that's looked at the budget, looked at what they can achieve, looked at what they have the money to do. And they said, you know what, we can do this, this, this and this really, really well for the amount of money that we have. Let's do it. And the result looks fucking slick. Like it's not it's not the TV show level of slick, but it's it's a really slick finished production, whereas, you know, I mean, DW 2012 is fantastic in terms of the amount of money spent on it, but it doesn't hold up the same way because mm. they looked at their budget and they thought, let's try and do this much. But the result is shots that are quite clearly the same Dalek composited in five times. 
or the same Sontaran costume, but the guy's been composited in 10 times. There's that one shot of like an army of dudes, which mm. it's impressive. Visually, it's impressive. And like you think about the compositing work that was done, it was really, really, really like hard work, I can imagine. But, you know, on a purely technical level, that's a lot more obvious and a little bit ropier than, than the stuff that DDK achieved. And that's, again, this is not me being a, trying to be a dickhead about it. Yeah, but, I, I understand. You know, but the thing is, like, knowing your budget is part of writing, you know? Mm. So there was this really clever thing that Russell Z. Davis said when he was writing Series 1 and when he did the companion for Series 1, which was, you know, basically, he, to a certain extent, he wrote for the budget he wanted to sort of force the BBC's hand. But at the same time, when he wrote it, he was budget conscious. Oh, yeah, we can reuse this set here. That's why you've got, you know, Satellite 5 twice in that series because they can reuse it that way. You know, he's he's budget conscious. He's being canny about it because he knows he has only got a limited amount of money to play with, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, to look at DW2012 again, how time flies. There's an episode, which again, that has a set budget, clearly. That has however much money these people were willing oh, to yeah, pay. Oh yeah, I love yeah. how time flies. But that's, flies. that's you know, that is... And this is, this is, you know, this is where I think lessons have clearly been learned. That's a slicker production because instead of telling a massive, super big invasion-y story, whatever, you know, this is a bunch of people who basically said, we can make this story and we can make this story look fucking cool. Mm. And that story looks fucking cool because they've looked at, and, you know, that relationship between writing and budget and writing and actually achieving, that's an important thing. That's something that, I think again, in, it's part of the craft of writing. I think another example of that, DW twenty twelve again, that I think used the budget effectively was um Eternal Darkness, the redone one. Not yeah. the original, but I, I really like Eternal Darkness. It's probably my favorite out of series one of their stuff. And probably my yeah, it's probably one of my favorites of all their content, really. It's mm. it's it's really well done, really well made. Uh it it it's does it doesn't of course, there are really ambitious shots, like you know they do the Dalek, um, the huge Dalek. The Dalek yeah, the the yeah. the uh, catacomb of the Dalek. That's really yeah. well done as well. It's not like. But yeah, but this is it. Is that that was a case where they said, "All right, we're aiming for this scale, but now we're going to be cannier about it." Mm. And you know that's a learning curve thing. I, I, I think I think a lot of it has been learned after you know because they're doing they're redoing series one to four, aren't they? Mm. I, I feel like looking at because I've seen the originals of series one to four and looking at the originals of those compared to now I think they have learned oh I yeah that no. is a learning curve on this, how, this, like... is, this is this is it though is that, that is that is something where I will 100% give plaudits to you know people like DW2012 those guys have developed as, as filmmakers mm. at oh, yeah. that's that's mm. genuinely impressive for what they've you know for what they've achieved um I mean on the flip side, we can then point to how time flies and say they just used at the speed of force for that one scene. And it's like, really? Mm. And, and the thing is, me sitting here as a composer, knowing that Dom's Doctor has a theme, which I've actually done covers of on my channel. Mm. It's, it's a really good theme. Um, but knowing that Dom's Doctor has a theme and then knowing how at the speed of force works. Because at the speed of force isn't just... Oh, it's a cool guitar riff. At the speed of force is it's got the flashes theme, which is that guitar riff, yeah. but then it brings it back to the uh, to the the crew at war power theme, to the Justice League theme that Tom Holkenberg created. It's 
it fits where it was designed to fit. Yeah, I, I agree using use, using it out of context as a musician that feels wrong, and it, and it looks it looks and you know it's a damn fine rendition. Samuel Kim music, the person who did oh, that yeah, rendition, yeah. is a fucking genius. But oh, they're you know, brilliant. They are truly magnificent at their craft. Like oh yeah, I but, listen like, to their music covers all the time. They're brilliant. But it just you know it feels a bit like it doesn't quite fit and it yeah because it doesn't quite fit and you know i sorry dw 2012 i am a musician this is my this is my b all right feel free to go watch my shitty little fan films with me and my wife and my kids and point out all the shit i've got wrong if it makes you happy but i'm just saying as a musician okay and and i love you guys you do really good work you do really good work but as a musician that song doesn't fit okay it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I'm being horrible. I know. And, you know, and, and to a certain extent, guys in glass houses shouldn't throw stones because obviously people could then go to my fan work and, and poke a metric ton of holes in it. But, well, you know, but that, you know. That, that's not necessarily a bad thing either. You know, I, I, I don't I think there is a fine line with like really overly judging fan content that you've got to walk when like criticizing people. But there's also like they shouldn't not be if that makes sense. Like, you can't be overly critical because they've got limited resources, but... Well, this is it, though, is that, you know, say, for example, you know, look at DDK. Look at DDK. You can criticise the fact that, you know, earlier on, some of their writing's a little bit off still. Maybe the Doctor comes across as a little bit too unlikable. You know, that's a criticism that I've seen levelled at DDK. You know, but... You know, on the flip side, that's something that they then clearly noticed and they've toned that down and they've done stuff to that. It's a progression thing. Yeah. You know, you cannot, day, pro- you cannot progress. You cannot progress if you I, don't then look yeah. at people and go, oh, okay, so that's an actual criticism. Do I agree with that criticism? If no, fine, ignore it. If yes, oh, maybe I can fix that. Then fix that. And it's, yeah, you know, I agree. And, you know, there are there are criticisms like clearly people criticized, you know, the way that some of the stuff in, say, 2012 was put together. They've responded to that by making the content look better over the course of the last 10 years. Damn straight. That's how you do it. You know, exactly. you know, whereas, you know, some fan creators clearly don't take criticism as well, which is yeah. not good. Which is. Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, with, with fan content in general, it shouldn't be treated like a dictatorship. There shouldn't be one way of doing it. You should always respect your actors, voice actors, and what they want to do with their characters. That makes that makes sense, right? That makes perfect sense. I mean, it's you know, we're okay. Making... So, so I mean, this is it though. Is this is a this is a conversation that I've had sort of in general, but mm. it works a little something like this. Fan filmmaking, especially, should be massively collaborative. Fan audio making as well but like fan filmmaking especially because that's something where people are taking yeah. a metric ton of time out i mean um, and yeah we're, okay we're... okay so say for example uh say for example okay here's an example say you want to make a fan film with your predecessor the retro doctor right yeah okay and so you have a guy you ha- who do you have for that now uh neil jones uh, Neil Jones. Yeah, I started talking to him, and I mean, um, th- th- there are certain things that I want to do when he comes down here. Because, well, I'm mainly going up to Brighton, where that's when I don't know whereabouts his base. But once he comes down there, I'll pay for his train fares. I'll tra- I believe yeah. it's like uh ten pound an hour for him being down here. 
Which makes okay. sense. Makes perfect no, sense. No, like, absolutely. Like, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you but know, here's the thing. Him okay. And making sure he's looked after and making sure he's had a good experience. You yeah, know, but this not... is that on the flip side, on the flip side, so people come down to film with you. If you can't pay them, you pay for their travel. If you can't pay for their travel, you, you know, offer to help out with other things. If you can't do any of that, which some people can't, absolutely fair, you know, then you offer something else for them to have yeah. their experience because you always, and you always tell them beforehand yeah i mean the thing is like what the thing budget is, is absolutely and the thing is for example like sorry i just really random tangent i love that dalek too yeah and the post box i i was actually old enough to watch bbc doctor who night i remember those daleks yeah i mean uh this was uh this was given to me by Captain Jimmy Pie. Uh, it's the one I that, that he made the intro for for my channel with it, which is a recreation of the Doctor Who Night Biden. Yeah. Oh. And uh, I I specifically asked it for this uh, for this color scheme because it is the Wilderness Years color scheme as well. From like um, I believe it was in what was that documentary? More than thirty years in the TARDIS, mm-hmm. and I believe it was in. I don't think it was in Curse of Hell Death, but it was in like a ton of promotional. I think stuff. it might have been actually because there was a metric ton of Daleks in. Oh yeah. In... In the proper version of Curse of Fatal Death. But yeah, no, so but... I, I asked for this. Yeah. And yeah, then but... uh, this one here is from the CBBC Ident from oh. when I was a kid. And I remember this one. Uh, it's the one I grew up with. Like, they had a few post boxes come to life and they shoot this uh, C. That was like an alive CBBC from the logo. It was strange times to be alive. But <laughs> yeah. Back, so... back when Doctor Who was everywhere, as indeed oh, yeah. Doctor Who. Doctor Who might still be everywhere. Oh no, we're slipping! <laughs> Gentlemen, it has been an honor and privilege playing with you tonight. <laughs> okay, uh, but no, I was saying, so here's the thing. Like, take for example, the Nexus Point, which is the massive audio play series mm. that I've been working on and I'm releasing slowly, okay? Every single person in that, all right, has given me their time and stuff, all right? So... I did not dictate to them how to play the Doctor. I had ideas about the Doctors I wanted. And in fact, when they were auditioning, I cast them based on which ideas, which Doctors I felt they fitted more based on my ideas. But I didn't ever say to them, this Doctor is meant to be like this. This Doctor is meant to be like that. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not paying them. They're they're doing me a massive fucking favor and I respect the fucking hell out of them. So to me the way that I compensate them, if I can't compensate them financially, is by giving them as much control as they want or as much control as they ask for. And the thing is, if if tomorrow one of them come up, comes up to me or messages me on Discord and says, I have an idea for an audio play that I want to do with my doctor that I played for you in Nexus Point, all right, obviously... I, as somebody who's running a channel, I have to have a certain level of integrity with the universe that I'm writing. Mm. But the polite thing to do is do everything in your power to help make yeah. that happen and, and and help that person explore that character because the doctor's a very personal role to play for any actor a lot of us are doing this because we want to be doctor who mm. there's there's no getting around that like yeah. I'm, I'm i'm doing this i'm not doing this because i wanted to get into filmmaking initially i'm doing this because i thought i'd love to be doctor who <laughs> but you know so let people be doctor who mm. you know let people be doctor who um, yeah, I think um, one thing with me when um <laughs> with with like Dark Days and stuff, Dark Days is a, as a series, it's limitless. There's like everything you could possibly do could be done at some point. So like when it comes to stuff like that, I 
when it when people want to make a story of course i look at it first i look at what their idea is i give out yeah. ideas quite often uh whenever someone wants to write a story i often like give my input see if they mm-hmm. want to work with an idea that i've come up with uh and then they br- you know they bring life to that um well i but- mean my my experience of that you know to talk about my experience writing for you was so the, the ones that I've done for you, some of them were, you said, do you want to write this one? And so like We Surpass was me going, I want to write a story with multiple Georges. And then you were like, and then you were like, oh, yes. can you have Georges the master in it as well? And I was like, mm. yes. And so we threw that in and, you know, uh, and that was a really free process where I was just like, okay, this is one thing that George's blonde doctor is doing for the architect after the architect picks him up at the end of episode one. Okay. That's it. That's, that's the sum totality of it. But then there was the, there's the episode that I've just finished a draft of, uh, which I'm assuming is going to get into the recording phase at some point, which is you said you wanted me to write a story with uh, Connor Chadwick's cravat doctor, a couple of other guys and, have the Cybermen be in it because you're doing supremacy of the Cybermen's timeline as part mm. of the Dark Day stuff. Yeah. But then I had the freedom when I was writing that to mm. go, fuck it, I'm having the Borg from Star Trek because yeah. they're technically they're technically an iteration of the Cybermen thanks to thanks to that one Star Trek crossover comic. That's technically a thing. So yeah, it, it went from being it went from being uh, you know the bare bones of the of the shopping list you gave me essentially the Russell T Davis style shopping list you gave <laughs> me. To, uh, to something completely different, which is, you know, it's, it's a very freeing process. For a writer, that's a very freeing process because it's like, as a writer, writing is my craft. Writing is a thing that I want to get paid for doing one day. It'd be kind of shit for me as a writer if you went, you know, oh, could you write this thing for me? Cool. Can I do this? No. No, 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 no creative freedom here. This is all oh. my stuff. This is this is my series. This is nothing. Nothing to do with you, you know what? Yeah, yeah, you're not allowed to have anything that you want in it. You know, you like, want like, this doctor in it? Nah, nah, no. That's no. out of the question. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, oh, I hope he doesn't mind me saying it, but one thing that's been especially freeing about the script that I'm currently writing, uh, which I, I can I can I say the title? Yeah, sure. The Fellowship of the Doctor. Uh, one of the things that's been really freeing about that is I, I wanted to sort of go back and find basically obscure fan doctors that were played by people I know that I could then, so I've got Dominic Greenwood Martin very, very kindly agreed to play the doctor he played in Generations in the Doctor Who Generations fan film uh, that he's labeled the Chaotix Doctor, um, which is just, that's freaking amazing to have him coming back as that doctor. That's just, mm. that's incredible. Especially since he then came up with like a whole back history and a whole like character to differentiate that from his purple doctor from 2012. Um, and then I've got, then I've got George playing the very first doctor that he ever played, which mm-hmm. is the doctor from the hunt, which uh, I think he's put that on private now because uh, he's kind of embarrassed <laughs> by it, but fuck it. Yeah. I am bringing that doctor back. Baby! I remember like when he got embarrassed by it, we were all on the Zoom call and we were all looking at fan films and then we brought up his fan films. And yeah, I, I don't I don't think you shouldn't be embarrassed by it. I've seen it. It's good. You know, especially for like again the budget, what he had to work the, with. The and, the, and the fact that he was a kid, you know. You yeah, can... at the time. I remember when I was a kid and I like God, it's is it it 
I'm not embarrassed by it, but I was like, I got my action figures into my garden and got my two cousins and just pretended I was making a fan film by like my sister recording it. And like, I'd move the figures around and I'd go like close up on the figures, like the Pertwee era. But you know, it was. I I did. uh, I did an entire Lego recreation of the Lord of the Rings trilogy with Lego. Yeah, when I was like 11, I did the entire thing. It was, it was bad, but I don't care. It was, it yeah. was fun. It was fun. It was think, fine. No, that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing. You, you do these things because they're fun. And yeah, you might cringe think, a little, but you know, yeah, good natured cringe. Without those stepping stones, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be discussing this. Well, you know, like, like I imagine, you know, in the same way that, you know, maybe the big guys like mb and homeland ddk even 2012 they're all looking back at their old stuff and being a bit mm. like cringe but actually no guys guys for real don't cringe don't cringe because it's like it's like when you're doing a maths gcse show me you're working don't bring up maths gcses i still i, I never passed it i never passed oh. the maths gcse yeah i i um, I, I just quit at one point, I just I, quit. I don't, I don't blame you. I, I ended up getting, God, what did I get? Two A stars in English, lit in English language, three Bs, four Cs, and a D. The D was in art. I got a B in maths because I can do maths. Like I was home educated for five years and all I did for five years was maths because I was shit at it. So I, I, I had maths drilled into my fucking <laughs> spine. But, uh, you know, that doesn't mean I enjoyed it. I walked out of my GCSE for maths and I was like, fuck this yeah. shit, I'm out. <laughs> so, you know, um, but yeah, so I, okay. At this point, I feel like I should apologize to all those fan creators out there who, you know, I, I'm a random nobody that you've never heard of who's just been bitching about your shit. I should point out, I, I'm not bitching about your shit. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm pointing out that, you know, nothing is beyond you know a little friendly critique to help improve the overall experience and for all for all yeah and for all that i for all that i critique stuff you know i critique stuff from the place of okay so here's an example i will never ever 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 offer any critique whatsoever to fan films where i look at them and i go you know that's a bunch of kids who are never going to get beyond the point of being a bunch of kids they're shit their work is shit but they're doing it for fun and it's not fair to criticize them all right you know when i criticize ddk when i criticize mb and homeland and when i criticize dw 2012 and when i criticize any of the big shots i'm doing that because these are people who are clearly a collection of very talented people who to one degree or another know what the fuck they're doing they can grow and they can improve and you know I've often said that, you know, you're looking at some fan films that are like, these are the people who will be, these are the people who, you know, will be the millennium traps of our age. Yeah. Potentially. Or they could be. They could be if they got over whatever glaring issues that I've pointed out for them. And, and you know, and when we discuss them like this, it's not out of spite or hate mm. or anything like that. It's out of love for the craft. It's out of love for the people involved. Um, and it's just, you know, no, like, like, and, and the yeah. thing is like, like take for example, and, and there's some real, like, oh, like one of the nicest things I saw was, um, was, uh, Dominic, Dominic Greenwood Martin wrote and appeared in that Minnesota on DW 2012. Oh, it was, which is that's that right that there. Episode was magnificent. Genuinely. And the thing is, and the thing is you watch Brilliant. that, you watch that. Watching it, that's that's one of the best written pieces on that channel. But it's also like 
it's it's a piece where you can really feel that this is a guy who's been wanting to play this character for mm. years and he's had a long time he's had a long time to really hone and develop his portrayal of the doctor you know and it, and it really comes across and in the, end of the day it's all subjective of course but i would say that dominic g martin dominic Green martin is i think in my view he's just he's amazing he's just genuinely Oh, like, he is. Oh, he. Uh, he every um, story he writes, every, if, even for like Big Finish, and like, I'm so happy they picked up on Dominic. Like, genuinely, if anyone yeah. deserved that, it was Dom. Like, the amount, know, like, passion the amount of work, the amount of passion, the amount of work he does, the fact that he's, you know, again, honed the craft, like, really cares about the craft, has honed the craft. You know, that's, that's a sign of dedication. And it's really important. Um, it's interesting. We've gotten onto this topic about talking about individual creators, talking about how much we love them and stuff. Mm. And it sort of brings to mind. So there was a conversation that's been had mm. here, there, and everywhere about idolization within fan yeah. creation. And I have my thoughts on it. So uh, but, you know, I, it's your podcast, dude. Let's let you talk first because oh, no, I'm no. aware I've talked a fuck ton. Well, you know, um, <laughs> I, you know, idolization, I'd say, can be a very bad thing. Mm. It can be, it can, especially with fan creators, because, of course, we've had our Twitter instance, we've had our nonces within, and creepy people within, sneaking their way into oh, fan, yeah. to fan oh, yeah. films and audios through idolization. It can be exploited. But I can say that without it entirely, I wouldn't be it. I wouldn't be making what I make because I looked up to a lot of fan stuff as a kid. When growing up, I watched like The Ten Doctors by Babel Color. That was like a huge inspiration for me. You can see from my work nowadays where I just put like, there are just like a shit ton of like every doctor in oh, yeah. the dark days. You can see where like, and, and it, there was definitely a lot of that during what I grew up with, like um, Batman arc, uh, you know, the uh, figure adventure creator. He yeah. made he made his ten doctors, and I was inspired by that. I think there is a fine line between inspiration and idolization. And working with people as well, I do I do idolize a lot of people I work with, such as yourself. I think you are amazing, and I know you're one of George's favorite doctors as well. Yeah, so no, that, it's, that, it's... that kind of idolization can be a positive force. Well, this but is it. The fine line between that and. Oh, there's a fine there's a fine line between idolization and so there are two really big things mm. with idolization and this is where i'm almost going to get political so you'll have to apologize for that i'll have to apologize this for this you know an okay. unedited just genuine conversation so okay the first thing that i'm going to say about idolization is i think to a certain extent, and this is a conversation I've had with a fair few people, and a lot of them agreed with me. Class has a lot to do with it. Class and geography has a lot to do with it. So, you know, the thing is, the people who have been most successful and, and thus ended up being idolized, a lot of it has been down to, you know, they're, they've got disposable income, you know, they've, yeah. they've got middle-class backgrounds, the vast majority of the people who are successful. And I think, and like, stop me if I'm wrong here, but the only people in Britain, the only person singular in Britain who isn't like a white 
middle class guy who's been successful is Dom. Yeah. The only like like you think you you think right now, can you think of any other POC like creators on his level of like exposure, basically? Dear God. I of course I know of people but not no there are there are no there are there are poc within the fandom yeah lots, of course. Lots oh, of, yeah lots but, lots, but, but on his level but you you think you think how many of them are on dom's level sadly like i yeah. really can't yeah now now to counter that point how many of them are white middle class and some kind of southern a lot of them <laughs> jesus christ so many Yep. I mean, and, I, and, and here's the thing. I'm saying this now. I am white, but I am working class, and I am from the north. I'm, I'm from the north. <laughs> See, I'm white, working class, southern. Mm. So I, I, I'm, I'm southern. I'll say that. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm as south as you can get, really. You can't really get more south than I can, because I like live right near the beach area, you know, right at the corner. But, um, oh, yeah, it's really southern, but... Yeah, it really is a shame because I, I do feel like, you know, I, it's why I kind of, you know, I like the concept of the community show, you know, Jack's, mm. Jack Reeves show. Oh, yeah, no, I, that, I liked that. I, but he, the thing is, he acknowledged, didn't he, that when he was doing those awards, awards he you did, know, he, he, he acknowledged got, that there was a problem. He, 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 yeah, he, he, um, he did get a few complaints about it because of that. And I really respect on how he, like, responded to that because it was but I, I love how the community show kind of highlights everyone it's not really about subscriber count and i really want this series in particular not to be about subscriber count not if he to wanted be about... it, if he if he wanted it to be about subscriber count ladies gentlemen and those of an unspecified gender he wouldn't have picked me <laughs> i i don't want no. it to be about clout or anything i want to get like not just creators in as well i want to get Everyone in, really, just have anyone who wants to talk. It's just a talk with, you know. Yeah, no. So, but, but this is it: is that you know, class has a very big, you know, class mm. and monetary, you know, monetary like success or whatever, like the amount of money you have. Unfortunately, plays a very big part in in the sorts of content that you are able to make because you've got yeah. the money to make it, and you know, as a result, in the amount of like, it happened big time big time in star trek fan films so yeah. um so there was a guy called james corley who used to make fan films uh he doesn't anymore because there was a big thing i'll get to that in a minute but he was an elvis impersonator made a lot of money from it and so he was able to make a complete recreation of the original enterprise sets fucking beautiful recreation it's it's an official thing now so he's basically licensed out his sets to the people who own star trek he actually does Jesus. set tours now no because no, you know he was really proud of them um yeah. but the thing wow. is when he started he was he was doing it for fun mm. but he he and a couple of other guys set the new standard which was tos sets accurate uniforms increasingly it became do you have the CGI, you know, to show off the Enterprise doing all these cool things? Do you have X number of real actors coming in? You know, like people from the show, people from this, people from that. You yeah, know. I do think with Doctor Who fan films, well, fan films in general, there shouldn't be standards. But they, they should be standards to a degree. But there shouldn't be, you know, 
no, there shouldn't be like standards of money. It shouldn't be exactly. about how much money you're. And the thing is, okay, so exactly. that's what I mean. There shouldn't be so, standards in that degree. But the problem is, is there are. Mm. <laughs> okay, so I have I have obviously pissed and moaned a little bit, you know, jokingly about the fact that you know I'm kind of small. I've been doing it for a long time, and not many people know who the fuck I am. <laughs> uh, which you know isn't strictly accurate. Obviously, I've. I've now gotten to the point where I'm working with you guys. That's really cool. But a few years ago, I was going to give up. And I had a really disconcerting conversation with an otherwise very good friend of mine. Like, he's a really good friend. But we had a conversation where I was like, I feel like I'm not having as much fun with these fan films anymore. I feel like, you know, nobody's watching them. There's no point. And his response was, there is no point because now fan films and everything has this standard which is you know people making it with this much money and this much sets and costumes and what have you uh so you should stop because the stuff you're making is not going to is not going to reach that standard you know and you're never going to be happy with it and that was a really disconcerting comment because bluntly speaking he's kind of right you know like like up until up until like when I started talking with George and, you know, when I eventually through George started talking with all of you guys and stuff up until that point, I really, I, I didn't see the point of con- continuing to do it because it's an awful lot of work. I don't have any money to spend to do really cool things on it. Um, up until recently, I was trying to edit on iPads, which is not useful. Like, like when I got my work laptop at home for, for covid and stuff you know the one that i'm recording this on now that helped but by and large like it yeah no it it, it can be really disheartening to well, do that can... stuff for years and years and yeah. then you know well, can i just say i'm glad you didn't give up and i'm glad you kept going and i think george would agree pretty much everyone you've worked with would agree but yeah um, no, no G- george that yeah that's a weird one because George will probably, when you get him on here, if you ask him about it, George will tell you that apparently I am his doctor. Mm. And, you know, when he was going through a tough time, it was my fan films that he watched that really kept him going. And but that's an example of idolization being a good thing. Again, it, it can be a good thing. It's not really. Yeah, that, that is idolization at the end of the day. That is, you know, and it is it's it is that that's a good yeah, it can, be, it can yeah, empower it's... people, inspire, and I don't think we should take it all away. No, extent, but... no, absolutely. I, I think, I think the onus is not on, the onus is not on the people idolizing to, you know, stop idolizing. Mm. The onus is on the people being idolized to yeah. not have their heads rammed up there. Okay, so Saying as an example, I wouldn't want to be idolized all that much. I, I really can't see it and i i don't know if it's like i i just don't yeah i i inspire maybe but not idolize yeah but no but the thing is like there's a dark side to that which you know the the the, the two dark sides really one of which is when people take advantage of the fact that people idolize them and the other is when people are really creepy about Mm. idolizing you which obviously people have had and like like even mundane things like so george was telling me a while back that he was kind of bummed out that people kept commenting on dom's stuff 
we want a blonde Doctor series. Because, yeah, maybe you do, but it's not the Dom's series. Not the yeah. Time. yeah, Dom deserves to have his series out, for God's sake. You know, um, so it's it's a case of, you know, there's a dark side to it on both sides, but there's also a positive side to it on both sides. I think, um, you know, you know, on the topic of you giving up and you thinking about it, I have seen another tweet like that recently from Abby, TT Productions, no, giving no, up I on original on content. Her, which, you know, I, which... I had a conversation with her about that, actually. And the thing mm. is, like, she had a similar she had similar thoughts, to be honest, about her. Apparently, she had similar thoughts about her, like, Paternoster stuff, because not many people were watching that. And I'll, I'll, say to, I'll say to her what I'll say to literally everybody who's in a position of giving up on the content that they're creating which is and this is going to sound really fucking trite and i know it is you you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take yeah i i agree i i i fully agree with that i i i i started in um scarlet lost which was her series as in part three which was really funny. oh i love I got, that i love that script i got to do a death scene it was brilliant but um i definitely recommend checking it out by the way for everyone watching but also oh like, yeah it was so well written and so well done that she has an art for this stuff. She genuinely oh, yeah. has. She, it's inspired writing. It's incredible stuff. And I, if she, honestly, if people just stopped doing what they're doing, then the world would be a darker place. Like if people, if people, if people did not do people did not do their stuff when they're good at it because they felt disheartened the first time we'd be left with a world of bbv christ don't let's not get started on that because you know funnily enough funnily enough um it's weird so we've talked we talked a lot about other people's stuff it's mm. it's like you know should i talk about my stuff should I talk about my stuff? I feel like I feel like you know. If I'm on here, I might as well talk about my stuff a bit. Before you like, get you know. started on that, let me oh, just thanks. say we may, of course, we've been friendly, you know, critically friendly wise. Mm -hmm. But one thing I want to say is, no matter how down you feel about your content, no matter how bad you feel your writing is, which it most likely isn't, but in a way, it's most definitely not bad writing. Yeah, and you've still got, and you can still learn, even think. But at least. At least you're not BBV. You can say that. You can walk with your head high. And at, you least, say, at least, at least, at least you can say BBV. You're not BBV. You did not write Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant having a sex scene. And, and you know what? Recently, and I know we said we're not going to get into it, but oh boy, they've been in a lot of drama recently. They've been the faction paradox um, stuff, oh, yeah. the copyright stuff. Man, uh, Larry's going to kill him. Mad Larry's gonna kill him. <laughs> and they're still going. They're still what? doing it now. They're still doing the faction paradox stuff after they've lost the license, and after like they've been continually told they do not have the license. They've not changed the name or anything like they did with their Doctor Who shitty audios back in the day. They've genuinely just continuing, and and, and the creator of faction paradox, one of the license holders, has reached out to them, telling them to stop. But they're still going. Well, I say Shit they. People. Bill Bags. It's literally just Bill Bags. Bill all, all it is. It's Fucking just stop, dude, please. He was oh, shitty God. towards his work, uh, the people that worked with him, writing-wise. He gave them shit all pay. And no matter how... You, you know what? If you treat your actors like that, you can 
fuck right off. Genuinely, if you do not treat them with respect, if you do not give them freedom with their character that they've that they've acted out for you, most likely non-profit, then you can fuck off. Oh yeah. There is no price. Respect your workforce, bitches. Respect your workforce. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, there's no excuse for being a shitty person to people. There's no excuse ever for being a shitty person to people. So, you know. Anyway, anyway. Anyway, I'm going to be an egotistical bastard and talk about my stuff now. Yeah, there is. (sighs) One question I went to ask you about your stuff, really, is. um just more about your creative process when it comes to making films. Of course, we've discussed about budget and that your films in particular have quite a small budget. When it, I know we've talked about it a lot. Most of the cast is just you and your wife. So, if oh yeah, it's, it's in, okay. So yeah, the, the um, of working on that. The entire cast of my entire, okay. So I, I recently did an entire fairly, fairly nice little run, actually a fan film starring me, my wife, me doing a funny voice and my kids. That was it. That was that was the sum totality of that series. And you know what? I fucking love like 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 for real, for real. I was watching the base that came back recently. Um and I actually thought to myself, you know what? I I like it. It's weird. You 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 sometimes you get to a point where you're like, do I like what I'm doing? But actually, yes, I liked it. It was fun. I enjoyed it. So yeah, yeah. I my creative process is basically what's the best way of putting it step one what's a really fucking cool thing that i could do that not many other people have done yet step two can i make it (laughs) with me my wife and some cgi overlays that i found on a free website somewhere (laughs) step three make the thing and and you know sometimes the thing is budgetary limitations are the mother of invention and sometimes they're the mother of really lovely character stuff so you know um a lot of the stuff that i've been able to do with just me my wife and my kids has been stuff like uh so to go back to the base that came back as as that's the one i'm gonna hold up and say i liked that one you know but that one is like it's me my wife me again playing some entity that's pretending to be me and a shitty little location that you know is within walking distance of our house but actually looking at it there's some really freaking great character interplay there because i had to put something in there Mm. and actually it was an opportunity to explore these characters a bit and, and a chance to play off on that stuff so to sort of keep myself as focused as I can on the topic of, you know, my creative process. It comes down to something that's within my capabilities to do. And then I just, you know, and then I just do my best to write something fun and long enough to be a 10 minute episode of Doctor Who. Mm. (laughs) Uh, It's a bit different when I'm doing audios. So uh, obviously there's the nexus point, which is in the process of coming out. Uh, which for the nexus point, my creative process was there was this story idea that me and Matthew Mills, my co-producer on Man at Desk had, which was basically the explanation for why our two doctors are in different timelines and where our two doctors point of divergence was. 
and it was all about the point of divergence and the consequences of that point of divergence mm. and at that point i had something of a following on tiktok i have even more of a following on tiktok now which probably means i should go back and post on tiktok one of these <laughs> days because uh, I've, I've not posted in a few months because you know life happened yeah. uh but uh basically i was like i'm making a fan audio do you want to join me <laughs> and that's how i met abby and that's how i met a bunch of the like literally all of the people that i'm working on nexus point with i met them all through doing nexus point so i set up a discord they all joined on the discord and you know it was this big fun crazy thing and and you know i'm really profoundly grateful for it but the the fun the sum totality of of writing nexus point was okay this is that story i'm actually going to cast these doctors and do this story wait why is it six episodes long Mm-hmm. Wait, why is it seven episodes long? Why is the seventh episode 50 pages long? That was um, very much how Endgame started as well, actually, because I'm at first, uh, I won't say what it was because it's the ending and how it ends, but there was supposed to be one scene of like all the doctors come together and then suddenly, oh, hang on, I have a story I did that could revolve around this one scene. Oh, hang on, I have several story ideas that can revolve around the scene. Hang on, why is this a saga now? Wait, I'm not just asking for a few lines from people now. I'm asking for like tons. Scripts. Scripts. Um, You're asking for scripts, man. And then, oh. um, you know, I met some of the people that I'm really close with now and some of the people that I work with a lot now. Like, um, believe it or not, um, Dom actually reached out to me instead of me reaching out to Dom, which was, I was ecstatic at that. Same, same when I was like uh, with Davis. I think I reached out to George, um, and then I think through George, I must, I must have met you through George, right? Because I think, I think, think. no. I... What happened? Okay, what happened with us was uh, you. It was our end of last year. So sorry, our end of 2021. For those of you watching this in the space <laughs> year 2023, when we have Neil Patrick Harris in Doctor Who. I've got to discuss that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for those of you in the space year 2023, I commented because the thing is, I think you had posted something on Twitter about yeah. any fan doctors want to do cameos <laughs> for my stuff, and I was like, "That's me. I'm a fan <laughs> doctor." Uh, and you were like, "Yeah, cool." And so, but then, obviously, what happened? Uh, then was I wrote my scenes and edited my scenes for you because I could, but mm. I, I don't I don't know whether me writing and editing my scenes well obviously me writing my scenes for you was something I was going to do anyway, but I don't know whether me editing my scenes yeah I think because of that wasn't the um you know that wasn't originally going to happen that wasn't uh wasn't the plan it was all going to be originally fully edited by me but then real life kicked in i lost my dad and mm. all that stuff happened yeah uh, so obviously obviously, I, obviously I stepped in a bit to help out there yeah because... and i'm genuinely so thankful for that because i wouldn't have gotten bad to out of Alec. i mean i mean the thing is like <sighs> i think that that's that's one of those things where you you sort of I mean, you know, this is this is a. And you know, I, I did open up to because uh, I did learn something from that. That um, because originally, before you edited, I had one episode on my channel that wasn't edited by me. Just one out of what the forty at the time, mm. the thirty something, some absurd number like that. Um, but um, and I think it was particularly when your editing came along, I'm more open to collaborative 
to collaborations like that because mm. originally it was all me all my work enough no uh, it was like of course i collaborated with people in a voice acting uh, capacity script writing capacity but i didn't really collaborate on the editing side of things yeah it was only when you came in that i really thought hang on this could work it doesn't all have to be as long as you know i have some creative input i guess it, well, it, it, you know as long as as long as you know as long as either because the times i've edited for you have been i've edited scenes and the nature of the stuff for dark days is that the scenes can be sort of spliced in between mm. one another so that worked out really nicely actually i thought um and I edited We Surpass for you because yeah. I wrote because I wrote We Surpass for you. And literally mm. the only thing, literally the only thing that was sort of left to do was put the title sequence in. Um, but like that was a I think that was a special case because I I wrote all of that. I, I mm. got the lines and stuff for all that. And you I think at the time you were still a bit like Yeah. I mean obviously it's it's the kind of thing that takes a little while to get past yeah you know? and i think uh, it's evident during that month as well i think i only released two things and that was Endgame part two and we surpass and honestly since then i didn't really release much until yeah, one month been, ago yeah but you've been building you've been you know building a portfolio of stuff that you're working towards releasing yeah and, and and the thing is okay to get serious for a moment mm -hmm. You need to you need to remember to give yourself time to get back into that flow oh, yeah. of things, oh, you know, definitely. because that's that's a big thing. That's a big thing, and it's much more important, much more important than you know. God knows, I've been through burnouts. I've had uh, at least three burnouts now in my time as a creator, and of course, you know, I, I've got through them. I, burnout is a huge thing that happens to yeah. pretty much every fan creator you could see they've been through a burnout i mean as we were discussing with like abby and tt recently that you know that's a type of burnout is that's you know no, that's a type something. of burnout you know like like i've been through them in my original work as well and i've mm. been through them you know and the thing is like oh, mother-in-law's back but the <laughs> thing is though like what you've been through is not just a burnout yeah what, what you what you've been through is you know this year it's been difficult i can't i it certainly hasn't been easy i mean it, it's also inspired me creatively i think every kind i of... mean the, the thing that's the thing that's interesting about what you said to me previously is obviously your father was a massive supporter of the content that you created well, funnily enough it, that's another thing about you know we were talking about being embarrassed by our work i was originally very not embarrassed but private I was very, very selective of who knew in the real world, as we will pull it. But in my personal life, my dad didn't know, my mum didn't know, my sister knew. But of course, I knew about what she does. It's kind of, you know, when you're a teenager, especially around when I was 18, because everyone's kind of more private. Because that's... Yeah. But once I told my dad, once I told my mum about it all, and it was mainly because I was on the Comic-Con panel. I couldn't exactly go on the Comic-Con panel without telling them first and telling them what I'm actually on there for. And now all my family is kind of supportive of it. My gran is always calling me, telling me she's listened to it. And sometimes that can be because <laughs> I released a torture one yesterday and there's a lot of farting in it and there's a lot of bloody murder. <laughs> there is funny murder. Funny murder. <laughs> that it, the best well, kind of murder. That there's... um. A lot of it's like that one is like a, a prequel to 
Countryside and a sequel to Delta and Abandonment with a Slovene. <laughs> it's written by Davis. It's amazing. But then, you know, and then I hear my grands listen to like the Slovene doing a fart rendition of Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love it. I really yeah, do. Um, and, you know, um, oh. my mum listens to it often. Um, oh. Am I beeping? Yeah. Sorry, I think, yeah, I think I'm beeping. I think that's my wife beeping me. Ah, well, uh, I'll, I'll continue oh. talking, I guess. Sorry. <sighs> I'll continue. Right, my, you tell my, I tell my wife that I'm, I'm recording and then she's asking me to make her a cup of tea. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Can I, can I pop off and make tea for like 10 right. minutes and then I'll yeah. edit this bit out, obviously. Yeah. Oh my God. Guys, guys, the unedited talk has an edit. <laughs> Be right back. 2000 years later. So, first off, <clears throat> And, oh, no, sorry, I'm not talking through that. I'm talking through this one. <laughs> and we're back in the room. Hi, guys. I hope you, I hope you missed us terribly on our, <laughs> like, like non-existent break because this is getting edited. And we're not leaving. Out, yeah. yeah. Um, I was making coffee for myself and tea for my wife when I just thought of the worst bit of dialogue I've ever heard in anything ever. And it's ironic because it's from one of my favorite video games. It's Alien Isolation. Mm. Oh, so this isn't even like fan work. This is like a proper professional person was paid to write this shit. So, and it, it happens twice. <clears throat> they're flying up to a space station. They're looking at the space station on the monitor and they're mm-hmm. like, is that damage? <laughs> it looks like damage. No fucking shit, genius. And then, and then again, like later, somebody's like, do you hear something? I hear something. No fucking shit, genius. It's like okay, that's 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 totally not how the dialogue works. That is... That's it's it's like literally think mm. one of those memes where it's like you know if I had a dime for every time somebody said something and then said that they something something, I'd have two dimes, which isn't a lot, but it's funny that it happened twice. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no matter how bad your writing is, remember you're not Dan Abnett and you did not write that dialogue. It's all good. No offense, Dan Abnett. I love you, really. <laughs> yeah, I can't really think of any bad. Actually, I can. Don't let the swords touch your skin. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! Oh yeah, god. we all remember that one. Uh... Or uh, what's the other one? Oh, oh, uh, something. I can't remember the specific of it, but uh, it was from. Um, I think it's been highlighted recently. But it was from Fugitive of the Jadoon. And mm-hmm. it's the Fugitive Doctor saying, she's here. And then going on to explain what's happening in the scene. Y- yes. You could see that this tractor beam is tractor beaming me up. Yeah. Tractor beam. I'm, like, I'm like, Joe, Joe, we love you. You've been more doctorish in five minutes than Jody has been for this entire episode. But please, shh. Yeah. Let the visuals visual for us, please. Yeah, but of course, that's Chibnall for you. So... I think I think you know, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start talking about Doctor Who, like real Doctor Who, because discourse. Yeah, good point. Good point. Mm. We also keep away from that. That's for sure. I want to keep away from that. I don't. I don't want people like dissect. I'm gonna have people killing me enough in the comments for daring to say that fan films are occasionally not perfect. Mm. You know. So you know, if I if I then go on to say that occasionally real Doctor Who is also not perfect. Somebody's gonna murder me in my sleep. 
and it's probably <laughs> going to be me. Ha! <laughs> God. But uh, yeah, no. Um, <coughs> what were we talking about before I got pinged and I had to go make tea? I the fact that it's been a difficult know. year for you, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I got pinged and I had to make tea. Well, right while we were talking about something Just difficult. Just make sure I don't slide. Yes. Gentlemen, it has been an honor and a privilege playing with you tonight. Do, 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 do. No, we're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll move my microphone a bit closer. But uh, yeah, so um, it has been a pretty difficult. Well, I say pretty difficult. I mean, it's been a fucking difficult year for me. Yeah. That, and, uh, it's got to be up there with shit that you never want to have to relive. Yeah. I mean, um, I say that. Yeah, it's been a. Hang on, this damn webcam. Behave webcam. Yeah, it's definitely a year I don't want to relive. There are certain moments that I would. I mean, um, yeah, but there are certain moments of almost every shit year that one would want to relive. Surely, actually, for all the shit that's happened this year, and I mean unfathomable, a level of shit, like uh, festival toilet level shit. There's oh god. Yeah, just it's you know I met I mean I met Jodie Whittaker, met Joe Martin, organized a Doctor in Distress cover, been to like four different Comic Cons, uh, met Jimmy Carr randomly on a train after the had a very important conversation with Jimmy Carr on a train. Yeah, um, you know I've had some great family moments, great moments with my grand, great moments with my sister. Do you you feel like great college moments? If this doesn't sound like an odd question, do you feel like? your shared losses brought you all closer together? Yeah, I'd say so. Considering my college friends were actually here when it happened. Because it was on New Year's Day that I lost them. And my friends were here for New Year's Eve and they stayed the night. So they were here when I lost my dad. Because mm. If this yeah. doesn't seem like an insensitive question to ask, was it something that happened like without expectation or, or warning? My dad's been ill for practically all my life. Um, he's always had, well, pretty much everything under the sun, really, but he, uh, had a heart attack when I was three years old. And from then on, it's kind of, you know, there's been moments where, yeah, it's, and, uh, it was, uh, during like, uh, 2021, um, he was placed in, he got COVID and he was placed in a red zone. So he had really bad, um, uh, you know, ventilation. And he had, like, this huge mask over him, apparently. Obviously, I couldn't go in. I couldn't go to see him Obviously. in that room. So uh, so it's it's not like it was it's not like it was something that you know, came completely out of the blue, but still. In a manner of speaking, we were kind of... He was kind of preparing us. You know, it wasn't... It wasn't, you know, entirely... Um, there's a bug. It's not Moths. entirely... Oh, I've had a few of those recently. They keep on getting in through the window. Really annoying. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. But, speaking, um, speaking now, like, sorry to. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, go on. Speaking now, as somebody who owns an awful lot of really nice coats, mm. kill the moths. Kill the moths and get cedar wood on all your coat hangers. Because <laughs> otherwise, like, I have what used to be a really nice Marks and Spencer's tweed coat that's now got a bunch of sewed up holes because I had to sew it up myself because moths got at the fucker. <laughs> they also ate one of my favorite, my only blue pinstripe. They're suit all, ca- they're they all coming it. after me now because I'm wearing a nice coat. Like genuine, all of them are. You know that 
They're awful. I hate moths. There's, 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 so, there's so many all of a sudden. Since I'm recording as well, bastards. <laughs> I hate moths. I hate them all. But yeah. no, I mean, like, the thing is, like, you know, and, yeah, but I mean, with what I was saying, back onto the serious subject, <laughs> I've had to face my mortality this year more than I've ever, ever done. And the mortality of the people around me. It's been an ongoing theme. Like, I witnessed a car crash a few weeks ago. Uh, I mean, even at my dad's funeral, someone fell down the stairs and was comatose. Jesus. I have seen, I've seen yeah. a lot this year of people, you know, I mean, the car crash wasn't any, anything that serious. It was a guy getting, it was a guy on a bike. I was walking down the street. I'd just seen, like, the best film I've ever seen. Anything, everywhere, all at once. And, like, I was just walking in my own world, pretty much in shock from how good the film was. I just heard a crash behind me and I just instantly ran in to try and help the guy and try and pull the bike out. And then the group came around and it was insane. I was very much in shock after that. But of course, the main theme has been the past. Mortality. Mortality. Yeah, and the mortality yeah. that has come with that. I think, um, you know, it, it does, death does put that in perspective, the death of a loved one. And, you know, um, a lot's happened uh this year but i'm not gonna pretend it was all terrible because it wasn't genuinely you can see the moths behind that by my tv by the way i know i know i know it's this is why this is why yeah this is why this is why you get cedar wood you get cedar wood spray you get lavender spray you get cedar wood like coat hanger things and you put them and if you have anything that you think could have moths in it you Mm. check it because it could really be mothy no, 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 we had to we had to bath my wife's entire yarn collection in vinegar yeah, because it had moth lava in it. That was not fun. Yeah, I need to check this room out because Jesus Christ, there's one there, one there. I haven't noticed how many there are. No, Jesus, I this to... is this is mm. this is this is when the origin of Rory's next Dark Days series, the Evil Mothman. This is the origin of that. You saw it here first, ladies, gentlemen, and distinguished others. Oh god! But yeah, um, yeah, ignoring the moths, ignoring which... the moths, because Jesus. I think the thing is, like, funnily enough, I've had to face my mortality in, in similar ways. But that was for me the big turning points for me were 2012 when my grandmother died, because sorry, for my you, my Austin. yeah, well, my grandfather my grandfather died in 2005, and it was a very sudden death, but. Because it was a sudden death, we didn't process it properly. And we really only processed that death around about the time my grandmother died, because hers was a much more protracted business. Nasty, mm. nasty protracted business. I'm not going to get into that because, yeah, you know. But then I nearly died the year after. <laughs> what? Uh, you nearly oh, died? I nearly died. Uh, so, If you don't I mind get... speaking about that, of course. I, I have no compunction whatsoever speaking about my own near-death experiences. <laughs> Um, so yeah, in 2013, uh, from about summer onwards, I found it increasingly difficult to walk any great distances. Then in September of that year, I had a cold that took it out of me. And I found that I was having difficulty being able to stand without any kind of walking stick. So I was literally using my grandfather's old walking stick or umbrellas to walk Mm. places. Um, I was constantly ill, like constantly nauseous ill. And then eventually I got another cold and then I couldn't stand or walk. 
and it didn't help that I had so the the the, the worst memory and this is a thing I'm gonna only touch upon because I don't want to get too into yeah, it. Yeah, but, yeah. I, but I had a Coca-Cola addiction that nearly killed me. This was part of what nearly killed me in 2013, and it nearly killed me again in 2018. Um, I drank five liters a day, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, the defining memory of nearly dying in 2013 was. I was on my own in my house. I needed Coca-Cola because I was going through withdrawal symptoms. It was killing my head, but standing was also killing me. So it took me two hours to walk down a street to a local farm foods to pick up a bottle of Coca-Cola, to walk two hours back to my house, to go up the stairs, to have Coca-Cola to alleviate the withdrawal symptoms, which it didn't do because by the time the withdrawal headache kicks in, it's there for the rest of the day. Mm. Um, but yeah, so eventually it turned out, so on my wife's birthday of 2013, she wanted me to go to York with her and her mother because they thought, oh, he'll have recovered. It was just the flu. He'll have recovered by now. I hadn't recovered by now. Uh, hmm. so I got, I got about halfway up the street. I stopped. I was like, I can't even stand. I'm turning back. I got halfway down, halfway down the street, sat down in the middle of the street. And then I had two police officers come up to me and they were like, are you okay? Because you, your skin is yellow. You look like you're dying. You ever see a picture of George Best, the footballer, when he was like dying in his bed of no. alcohol poisoning? Look that up because I was that exact shade of yellow. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm... yeah, I was like, you see the yellow, you see the yellow on the Doctor Who logo in on that magazine poster thing behind you. Of course, that was me. I was that yellow. Oh no, I mean, I'm, I, I, um. I would say that I, I have been uh, a Coca-Cola addict. You know, it's something a sugar addict, pretty much. Yeah. I you need like, for real, no. Like, and I didn't take this seriously until it nearly killed me twice. So the first time, it was because whatever that cold was, combined with my addiction and the fact that I wasn't eating properly, I had about a third of the blood I needed in my body to be alive. So I was, I was on a transfusion the entire night. It nearly fucking killed me. Did you die? Yes. But I lived. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So the problem was, so around about 2018, I'm going to keep talking while he's killing moths because I know he's listening. Yeah, I'm listening. Um, Don't worry. I'm definitely listening. Uh, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting a lovely shot. Of, I'm getting a lovely shot of his, of his TV now, thanks to the camera slippage. <laughs> mm. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But uh yeah, so in 2018, I started getting heart palpitations and my arm started hurting when I walked for too long. So, so yeah, that's like, uh, oh, I see I'm getting the symptoms of a heart attack. That's bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I had to, I had to give up Coca-Cola because it was going to kill me. Yeah, um, I'd say I have to give up as well because I feel like... How I'm much going... do you drink? How much do you drink? way too much i won't okay. go into specifics but way too much and it is it is damaging my teeth i'll say that it's damaging my teeth oh lot. yeah no 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 i have fillings and i have i have damaged teeth because i drank too much um, but the, hilariously so my teeth were on a constant spiral of disintegration and then it just flattened out immediately when i stopped mm. like immediately it flattened out so if you don't want to give up like this is becoming a Coca-Cola addiction helpline. Uh, if you don't want to give up like forever and properly, then if you want my advice, like proper advice, 
start drinking coffee. Like, like okay. drink coffee. Because I went through my... And the way I did it, I don't recommend this, but the way I did it was I had my withdrawal weekend. So I cold turkeyed through an entire weekend. I cold turkeyed. And then I started drinking coffee on the Monday and just immediately it alleviated so much. And coffee's much better for you than Coca-Cola is. It's not brilliant, but it's better. Yeah, I'd say I'm not at a point where if I were to get off Coke, I'd go for a withdrawal because uh, I do have substitutes. But at the same time, it's getting there. It would get yeah. close and yeah. I don't want to. It's, no, okay, okay. No. For real? I've been there. Stop while you can. Okay, because yeah. that's the serious part of this conversation. <laughs> Don't do coke, kids! <laughs> uh, or I'll get the glockter on you. Oh yeah, that's a whole. <laughs> but yeah, uh, um, I'm glad I, I'm glad I had this conversation because it is something that you know I, I'm going through right now. Like, and I the, oh, and the much... thing is, okay, and the thing is though, like, and again, this is stop me if I'm being insensitive you clearly have a, a immediate family history of heart problems i was just about to mention that my dad had heart problems uh so yeah you know. if if he had heart problems you will probably have inherited some level of that i know I, so, so there is, there is a level of fear that comes with that uh, but of I, course I, I, and you know like that's bad in a way but at the same time being aware of the actual risks is good so you know be yeah. aware of the actual risks yeah. Any, can, shall we talk about happier things? Yeah, so, you know, let's go to happier so, things. So yeah, I guess I guess because you know, um, okay, fun stuff then. So in terms of like Doctor Who stuff that's upcoming, I'll talk about this stuff that's upcoming that I'm doing just on my channel. Then I'll talk about the stuff that I'm doing for you to sort of close out because that's that seems like a pretty good way of closing out. Yeah. And there's still a lot of fun stuff that we can talk about there. Because So the fun stuff that I'm doing just on my channel is, obviously, I've got the Nexus point. Mm. So I've got episode three edited and ready to go out. That's scheduled to go out next month. So it's the second Friday? It's the second Friday of every month, uh, up until the point where it actually, you know, goes out there. Um, and then, yeah, episode four, I've now got all the lines for. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm missing only a handful of lines now for episodes five and onwards. So gonna get those done soon, he said, mm-hmm. hopefully. Uh, and since they're my lines for episode five and onwards, I should really get them done soon. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, And I've got some really fun people, like like uh, for real. So George Guidra's waistcoat doctor, as in the oh. doctor that he plays. We call it the waistcoat doctor to differentiate it from the blonde doctor. That's yeah. not the real. That's not the real name. But that doctor. That doctor is uh, in the Nexus Point with his companion, Vin. Um, mm-hmm. We've got... I'm really, honestly, incredibly grateful to Dominic Martin because he's actually stepped in as the Chaotix Doctor to fill in one of the cameo roles. So he's in episodes four onwards, I think. Mm-hmm. Not for long, but for, for enough of it to you know make a difference. So there is that. So Nexus Point's episode three, four, five, six, and seven are coming out for the rest of this year. I'm working next on a series of audios for my friend Matt. So he's recorded a fair few bits and bobs. So his doctor's getting to come back out again for a bit. Uh, I'm still working on my fan film series as well. So like that's 
ongoing. And in August, in theory, Lung Barrow Brothers season two, part one is filming. Like oh, wow. the vast majority of it. Oh yeah, yeah. So we um basically basically I had a conversation with my friend Anthony about about George actually and about how George is a big fan. George has not gotten the chance to do as much stuff as he would have liked to do for certain things. So, you know, and then my mate Anthony was like, Oh fuck it, do you want to make a, a Lung Barrow Brothers season two with you and George? And I was like, Yeah. So George this is something that if you get George on here, he'll have to tell you the full story of how he became my successor. But basically, oh, I'm definitely going to do it. Definitely oh yeah. going to bring George on. Oh yeah, but basically, George is my actual successor. He's the proper next Doctor after me now in my series. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so cool. it's a, again, it's a different Doctor. He's played that Doctor actually in Weezer Pass, the Doctor in the checkered coat. That was that Doctor. Um, he's he's back to killing moths i know that feeling so well i'm i do it too but yeah um <laughs> don't you do it moth don't you do it the bus has uh, gone right beneath my shot like right behind it it's gone like right into the wall oh yeah i know that's annoying me yeah but uh no so um so we're playing so basically george and i are, are going to be hopefully filming lung barrow brothers season two in august we've got a whole week in august that we're sort of you know filming stuff in so yeah long barrow brothers are back baby <laughs> so which is you know it, it's for real yeah i love the stuff i do on manic desk productions but going back to long barrow brothers because obviously there's also audios that are sort of uh in the process of being done for long barrow brothers as well so mm. um right now i've got two completed ones that i'm sort of waiting for lines from actually everybody to be fair uh but you know i i i'm bad at asking people how you're doing with the lines <laughs> no like it, i feel oh, me too ridiculously awkward I'm, I'm i feel ridiculously awkward doing it because i've got i've got alia itori doing the lines for that that audio series mm. she's fucking legendary oh she you know? is spectacular but, like honestly in thing, general just but, amazing voice know. actress amazing amazing person oh yeah yeah but like because she's so busy as well i just feel really bad saying oh you know um how's it going because <laughs> you know like like oh shit i've just realized i've said that she might watch this so i'm not lagging i'm not lagging i, I, mm. I don't i don't i i know way shape or form when i nag because you know i think you know, people are people are busy but you know, you know i i've worked with Ali quite a lot on uh quite a lot of stuff and uh uh she we were discussing um, a story I was working on where someone had just completely vanished off the, like off Twitter, and like right. uh, obviously I didn't know where to ask for lines or whether to replace them, replace them with another actor. And she just told me straight what to do, and she was just really honest. And she saw it from an audio producer's perspective, but also from a voice actor's perspective. Hmm. And I feel like she's. Actually, you, you'll do fine asking her for lines and stuff because you know she's yeah. sort of I mean, I mean you know the, the yeah. thing is like I don't need the lines right away anyway so it's just like you know yeah. but when that stuff comes out because the character that we've got her playing is I like that character mm. she seemed to like that character so it's all good and I've got two more I've got two more scripts to write for no I've got three more scripts to write for that like audio miniseries and mm. then it's and then it's done. And George is going to be in one of those too. So yes, Woo. <laughs> um, but yeah. So there's that on Long Barrow Brothers. There's season two that we're filming. Mm. Um, 
and then uh yeah eventually eventually i'm gonna start work on the series of fan films and fan audios that leads up to my doctor's horrible 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 demise and you can oh, find yeah. all that stuff in the description below when it comes out obviously for quite a lot of it but you can find all of oh, yeah. jed's previous stuff and work yes. in the description below if there's any specific channels you want me to plug obviously uh just uh, just put the links just put the links to lung barrow brothers and man at desk because the thing is like you know that's that's where all this stuff is going so mm. so good uh other stuff that i'm working on so one thing that i'm working on that's really honestly ridiculously cool is an omega script mm. for the 60th anniversary uh which uh rory's in actually um Ooh, that's me so so yeah basically um i wanted to do the thing that never occurred to me until just this moment in fact is it's not just the 60th anniversary it's the 50th anniversary of omega oh wow so perfect oh, yeah. timing perfect like oh yeah so mm. omega baby uh, <laughs> but yeah no because i i um so my interpretation of omega right, is actually so my interpretation of omega is actually a lot inspired by wd gaster from undertale there's this there's this absolutely wonderful quote from one of the uh one of the gaster the servants of gaster from the undertale like behind the scenes stuff just need to find it um gaster gaster ah my webcam has fallen over no it's the end of the world uh so undertale gaster quote um Okay, because there's a specific line of dialogue. Uh, Goner kid, where's Goner kid? So the entire point of the 60th script is basically every <laughs> single doc, every single doctor is going to encounter something called a shard of Omega, mm. which is going to be quite literally Omega was shattered into trillions and trillions of pieces across all of time and space and that is how people that is how people will find him essentially um but yeah so where is gonna kid ah yes mm-hmm. so gonna kid from undertale is a character who people presume has a connection to wd gaster from undertale and the lines of dialogue that gonna kid say that sort of inspired me and my interpretation of Omega are. Have you ever thought about a world where everything is exactly the same, except you don't exist? Everything functions perfectly without you. <laughs> Thought terrifies me. That's oh, wow. Omega. Yeah, that's, that that's Omega. Omega, though. You know, everything, you know. And the thing is, like, all of the other characters as well, the the other like gaster characters um the gaster followers that's what they're called so gaster's followers so here's one it makes sense why asgore took so long to hire a new royal scientist after all the old one dr gaster what an act to follow they say he created the core however his life was cut short one day he fell into his creation and well alphas end up the same way and then Here's another one that sort of inspires me. And this is specifically the line of dialogue that inspired the shards of Omega. Yeah. 
The old royal scientist, Dr. Gaster, one day he vanished without a trace. They say he shattered across time and space. <laughs> How can I say so without fear? I'm holding a piece of him right here. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. So that's the stuff that inspired my take on Omega. So the, the key thing with this Omega is quite literally, this Omega doesn't want to conquer the universe. This Omega doesn't want to come back and be the god of Gallifrey or whatever. This Omega isn't like, you know, a villain in that sense. This Omega has one goal and one goal only. Mm. Either he must exist or nothing must exist. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it kind of, you know, it's kind of the, because, um... you know, off topic, but, you know, with the end of time, the end of time seems, Rassilon and that seems more like classic Omega, to me at least. Yeah. But when I watch it, it, it seems like, uh, but it also works as in Rassilon has fallen so far that he's gone to the lengths of like what he used to judge as wrong as now enacting that as the final sanction. It's really bothered by Russ Davis, but uh, yeah. So uh, what you've done with Omega there is... It's it's exciting. It's exciting. I mean, mean, what's exciting is, you know, in theory, in theory, you know, I've got some really good guys in there for it. And, you know, I've got a really good guy, you know, I'm not going to say because I I don't want to spoil everything, but I've got a really good guy, hopefully, who's going to do omega for us and you know obviously you know i've got dom who's agreed to be the chaotics doctor in that i've got you know myself my mate matt george is in it as the waistcoat doctor you're in it you know so so we've got we've got you know there's a lot of people there's a lot of people and it's gonna be really fun and everybody's gonna get gonna get attacked super shit scared when omega shows up so it's all good um but yeah and then um and then obviously to sort of sort of uh wrap it all up in a neat little bow (laughs) To sort of wrap it up in a neat little bow. Sorry, I was just killing a moth there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing some stuff for you. So obviously, I've just yeah. finished. A, I just finished a script for you called Cyberspace and Cyber Time, mm-hmm. which apparently you liked. Which was oh, it was. It's brilliant. the Cybermen and the Borg, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, you know, I like the Borg. I like. Who the doesn't Star love Trek. the Borg? I mean, I haven't watched that much of Star Trek. I really need to watch more. But I've seen the Borg stuff, and uh, as soon as you mentioned it, I just knew. This is where it gets oh, crazy. Yeah. Why not? Just oh, why not? Yeah. And oh yeah. <laughs> and I knew someone who could do a Borg impression, so that's cool. So got that. Oh my god. <laughs> this is good. This I is mean, very they good. they voice like forty different creatures for like Endgame Saga because when I when I'm editing the Time War ambience, it's just a cacophony of madness. Just every monster you can imagine just thrown into this like puddle of just chaos, indistinguishable chaos. And it's got like funny ones like the androids or, you know, the androids and the uh, bus ticket men from Great Show just showing up in a time war. I'm thinking of doing like um, uh, 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 Torchwood Darker Day story that ties into it that really goes into the Please, please tell me you have Beep the Meep. <laughs> I've got to include Beep me at some point. I want him to face. I want Beep to face Techno at some point. I've got to do that. But um, I, I'm thinking of doing a Torchwood tie-in to Endgame. Maybe just called Torchwood Endgame. I've been thinking about it in my head, and I know a few people that want to ask to be in it. Uh, and I think 
there are a few notable Torchwood fan projects and fan actors who have played characters from certain universes that I want to ask. Which, oh, yeah. I won't spoil oh, yeah. which ones, but I've put oh, it in. I mean, it, there's, there's a few different like Torchwoody types, so, you know. So celebrating... All of them. All of them. <laughs> yeah. All of them. And celebrating that side of the... Of the, fan, of the fan universe, really. Because, like, yeah. you know, I think what's great about Dark Days fundamentally is that, you know, it's celebrating everything, <laughs> uh, which it's as it should be, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, okay, so obviously, so Cyberspace and Cybertime is like one of these endgame saga pieces, which mm. sort of takes place between episodes. And it's kind of continuing yeah. that thread that. It's continuing that thread that you had with the architect and with uh, the blonde mm. doctor and, and other doctors in that universe. Um, yeah, well, then I, of course, one thing sorry. I can say is that there will be plenty more blonde doctor content and there will be plenty of purple doctor content in the endgame saga continuing going forward. Just wanted to Yay. point that out there for no particular reason whatsoever. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah uh i just want to say i just want to say um that uh most of most of the most of the blonde doctor stuff uh that i'm doing is going to be really super exciting because you know blonde doctor stuff always is but the best part the best part is so george is doing a story with the blonde doctor versus something I'm not saying what <laughs> what because i don't want to spoil it because it's exciting but then i'm doing a follow-up to that uh, featuring my doctor as well, uh, and that's the Fellowship of the Doctor, which mm, that you. one's going to be crazy because that one's mm. got the Shalker Doctor, mm-hmm. the Richard E. Grant Curse of Fatal Death Doctor, my doctor, an alternate version of my doctor, or me playing an alt doctor. I've got another doctor that I almost feel like I should put in there now just for shits and giggles. <laughs> actually, no, I have two doctors that I need to put in there, one of which is uh, so. This is actually on a, on a kind of a sad note. So have you ever heard of Zane Van Wyck? Yes, 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 I have. Yeah, so obviously he passed end of mm. last year. And um, I did a doctor for him, a doctor who wasn't my doctor, who was a completely new one. I kind of feel like I want to use that character again. You know, mm. I, I don't, obviously I don't have the authority to do a proper tribute to Zane and the stuff that he did. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like having that character in there would kind of help you know hmm. but uh but yeah so but no uh so there's a bunch of different doctors there's there's dom's chaotics doctor in there again you know yeah brilliant i, brilliant I know there's character. uh one that i have finished writing and then in uh producing that uh you were particularly excited about because you're a big fan of this fan doctor and... barbara benedetta oh, oh and uh she uh passed away quite a while ago mm. now she was 30 years ago 30 yeah. years ago and uh i got in contact with the creator of those fan films quite a while back because i didn't know that barbara had passed so i contacted him just saying can i use this doctor in the endgame saga and it was very polite actually i think i asked about the dvds first seeing if there were any available for that fan film uh which he just said just go on daily motion i want those physical discs down i need those physical discs um but uh you know um i and uh i got his permission to do uh kind of a uh, tribute. tribute to her her doctor which also in a way is a tribute to my dad as well it's a, like a uh because it, it does go over a lot of uh grief 
uh it's not heavy it's not a heavy story it's definitely definitely not a heavy story it's more of a it's a love letter to her era um there's a cameo from a villain in there um and uh you know it 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 just it's you know it's like it's kind of like the the tenant my reward segment but for the benedetti doctor with a special cameo and yeah and i think i think for the benedetti doctor that's deserved because that's one of the seminal doctors of fandom Mm. in a way but yeah but yeah so you know obviously and the last thing to be fair the last thing that i'm working on for you is Mm. is, can i talk about that yes go ahead yeah okay not too much (laughs) not too much okay so I'll talk about the first story, but there's more. So basically, I had an idea that sort of occurred to me age, like a little while ago, which was basically imagine doing an alien story with just like the war doctor in it because fucking John Hurt. And then I was like, yeah, but I'd want to be in that too. And then I was just like, my doctor and the war doctor versus the alien. And then I was like, huh, Rory does crazy fun stuff like that. I'll just pitch it to him. And then I was like, no, you know what? I'll just pitch an entire series of these crazy crossovers to him. So yeah, we've got an entire series of crazy crossovers. One fan doctor, one fan doctor, one one canon doctor, one random franchise from out there. Keep moving. Uh, but yeah, so um, the only, the, the, the one that is like the first one is me, mm. the war doctor, the alien. And uh, I had a, I had a, Funnily enough, as strange as it is to be asking this on a podcast, I've got a couple of questions that I sort of want to ask about that. So sure. should I? So I put Amanda Ripley from Alien Isolation in it, right? Mm-hmm. Should I have the war doctor actually look like Kane from the Nostromo? <laughs> no, as in, as in, so obviously Amanda will have seen pictures mm. of the crew of the Nostromo. Should she look at, you know, the war doctor and be like, Holy fuck you, Kane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. Because, of course, yes. yeah, yeah, John Hurt was a heavy part of the Alien films as that character, so... Yeah, oh, no. Yeah. Not again! <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yes, I'm going to do that. Thank you. That's... Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm just... I'm doing that now. That's the thing. Yep. Alien. I, I started I started a piece of soundtrack for it based on the Alien Isolation soundtrack today. <laughs> so, I'm going to have to send you. It's going to be freaking awesome, but... Uh, yeah, so uh, there's going to be a whole series of those. And the one other thing I'll say is we were talking about it originally being narrated by the architect. Mm. But then I was sort of leery of that, if only because having a bunch of stories that seemingly a little bit distant from traditional Doctor Who mm. narrated by the architect, by the architect sounds a bit too much like remnants. Yeah, that's what I said. I said that to Dom as well. And, and he was like, uh, oh, yeah, no, have it be someone else. So I created someone else. Ah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know if you saw that little screenshot that I sent to the group chat, actually. Um, I'll have to look at it because I haven't been on the yeah. group chat today. So look. yeah, um, I think it was last night that I sent it. And yeah, so that character is called the right, as in the shipwright or the playwright or the something mm. else right. And the right creates stories. He likes creating stories. Mm. Stories are fun. <laughs> you know. And, you know, if they don't go quite the way he wanted, it's fine. But if you try and stop him creating stories, God help you. <laughs> and I'll actually, if you like, I'll read. To, to sort of close us out, I'll read the opening monologue that I've written for this character from this sure, first episode. One second, I'll just bring, uh, I'll, I'll talk about a few more projects and then 
Uh, we'll close it off with that then. Okay. Uh, of course, I've got quite a few big projects coming up. I mean, there's one you are, uh, you are creating a theme for that I came up with a few days ago, actually, uh, which was completely out of the blue because I saw a Twitter post uh, which basically um, went over this scene that was cut from Journey's End. That was, uh, it was a very, look, it, I could just envision the scene in my mind. And it, it, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, I see why it was cut, obviously, for time. And uh, it was... And uh, budget as well. Yeah, and budget. No, because you think, you've got, you've got to think that um, that scene, they would have had to create whole new sets and oh, locations yeah. and costumes yeah. and everything. Yeah. And, but yeah, basically what it was is it's the backstory of Davros, which is insane but uh, amazing and you know there was a shit ton cut from journey's end like a shit ton like out of every episode in doctor who history that is probably got the most interesting cut scenes like the, the that par- and time of the doctor i'd say oh yeah oh definitely but like um you know the prime minister was supposed to be exterminated which to be fair was reused and obviously yeah uh <laughs> um and uh, the Shadow Proclamation was supposed to have like a shit ton of cameos, like the huge amount of cameos. The Davros backstory, the Doom Dalek fight at the end was cut. Um, but I, I wanted to take the scene and uh, Jack Reeves is starring the 10th Doctor, obviously. He's a natural at that voice. Uh, I've got uh, John Ryan, who is voicing a character in my fan film, which Jed is also scoring, by the way. Uh, which is uh, that that fan film series we've been talking about fan films today? Uh, it's very um, it's very ambitious, well it is, but it's also very grounded and you know very budgeted, obviously. But um, you know I've put you know I've obviously put quite a bit of money into it, but uh, it's gonna. I hope it turns out well. I've got a very ambitious scene for that, which wasn't scored by Jed. It was uh, scored by someone else. But I've talked to you about the scene, Jed. I won't say too much about it, but. It, it involve it's a music based scene. It'll be good. It'll be really good. I just hope I can do it because it's a scene I can front in my head like again, and again, and again, and I know you'll get there. You'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, I've got a lot planned going on. A lot of smaller projects alongside the bigger ones. Uh, I want to finish off Quantum Locked which is the Weeping Angel Doctor One, which uses the imagery of the Doctor being a Weeping Angel in a different way. Um, uh, there's also more Torchwood, hopefully. Uh, I, uh, there's a Missy podcast type uh, one, um, which is just Alia just going completely bonkers in her Missy impression, which she does anyway. And she does As it well masterfully. It <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, and it's completely bonkers on another level compared to any of my other stuff. And uh yeah, so I've got a lot planned. And the endgame saga, which is massive bon- bonkersly massive, unfathomable amount of stuff. But and yet you know, somehow it works. Mm. <laughs> and it will just get more and more crazier, more and more confusing, but hopefully easy enough to follow but yeah uh anyways do you want to do your reading yeah, and then i'll, I'll do this and then we'll off. close out mm. so <clears throat> hmm? ah there wait, wait. you are Are you sitting comfortably everyone ladies and gentlemen sit down <laughs> sit down sit down 
get a cup of coffee. Not not Coca Cola. Not Coca Cola. I know. I see you drinking your Coca Cola. Don't don't do Coke. I will send the Glockter after you. <laughs> I see you, Spoon. <clears throat> hmm? right. Ah, there you are. I was beginning to wonder. For a long time, you see, I have been waiting. Yes, waiting for you. You see, I have stories, stories that must be told, stories that must be shared. For what is a good story without an audience? You have heard stories, yes, many stories in this place. It is a home of stories. Stories, I think, with characters you know, and some perhaps you do not. That is the way of things, yes, the way of stories, that they will sometimes give you the familiar, and sometimes they will give you that which you did not ask for. You did not ask for these stories, but you may enjoy them nonetheless. These ones concern, or mostly concern, the doctor. Yes, the doctor. You know them, yes? He and she and they, time lords of Gallifrey, except, of course, when they are not. Yes, you will enjoy these stories, I think. But I have rambled on, yes? Too much. And now we must find the doctor acting, as the doctor always does, in answer to a distress call. Yes, a typical act for the doctor. But not a typical call. Yeah. I can't hear you. Is that, that me? Is that... Yeah. Ah, you're back! Hi! Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I can't wait for this series to play. It's going to be really fun. Really bonkers. Like, if you if you've seen stuff on my channel before, which if you haven't, please subscribe. If you is... haven't, how did you find this? <laughs> but if you haven't yet, please subscribe. And there goes my webcam. But uh... pray for his webcam, everybody. Thoughts mm. and prayers and left in the chat for his webcam. But uh, yeah, so that series is going to be completely bonkers in every way imaginable, in the best way possible, hopefully, and it will be insane. Completely yes. insane. Wow. Insane. Insane. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's a great way to close this out, I suppose. Um, Thank you for being honest. You've got my stolen college guest uh, star award of approval. Uh, Now you can know if you were right, uh, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But now I'll know that I was right. (laughs) Oh, God. Now then. And on that bombshell. Yes. Take care, uh, everybody. Make sure to subscribe, leave a like, and check out Judge channels. And yeah, check out audios. And yeah, have a great evening or afternoon or morning or whatever. It's all kind of time-wimey. Right. Bye. Bye-bye.